guy's service today, isn't there? Three guys singing, four kids getting baptized. Nothing wrong with that. Well, this morning I'd like to talk to you about a woman. <laughs> I want us to look at the amazing story of Mary. You know, I, I grew up, I think I shared with you all uh, numerous times, I grew up in a pretty conservative church that, I mean, I don't know if Mary even existed um, because she was a woman. I mean, I don't mean to be, but that's just the way it was. I mean, we always talked about Jesus and, and his side of the story, but Mary has a pretty prominent place in the Christmas story, and I want us to look at that. We'll be in Luke chapter 1, because uh, I think this is an amazing story. Here's a girl, somewhere between the age of 13 and 18, we just had a wasp fly by, so y'all watch out. Uh, he, she lived in a village called uh, Nazareth uh, in Israel. Uh, I believe most of the residents of that town were descendants of immigrants who had moved there from Bethlehem. Uh, because of their religious fervor, they moved there to possess that part of the world as the, as the people of God began to multiply again. She was likely one of many children in her family. Large families were common in that day. So she was probably one of 8, 10, 14 kids. Who knows? Uh, and her life would have been centered on a family that worked the land, that had a trade. Uh, as we know, Joseph, which is not in the story yet, but he was a carpenter. But we don't know what Mary's dad did for a living. As a female, her life would have been centered on the home, uh, which was very common in that day. Uh, she would have uh, had a goal, or actually her daddy would have had a goal of her marrying a good man to have uh, many, many children, to raise them in the fear of the Lord, and to be a, a good homemaker, because that was pretty much the role of women in that day. And I suspect her life had been pretty well planned out, uh, because there were certain requirements those families need. But i got to tell you, God can break in anytime he wants to. God can step into our lives anytime he wants to, anytime he wants to, in whatever manner he chooses, leading us wherever he wants to take us. And in this story, we find the sovereignty of God revealed to Mary as he reveals his sovereign plan for her life. Now, the question might come up, did, did she have free will? Absolutely. I actually believe she could have told the angel in the story, no, I don't want to be a part of it. God knew her answer was going to be yes, but I think she had that free will. She could have refused what God had called her to do, but her life does something for us, and I want you to see this morning in just a short sentence is this. Her life reveals the right way to respond when God intervenes and says, I've got something for you. There's three statements from God, three responses from Mary, and a couple of thoughts to apply it, and we'll be out of here before dark. All right, y'all listening. First of all, I want you to notice this. God called to Mary. You go, well, I thought the angel did. Well, who sent the angel? God sent the angel. Verse 26 begins this way. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So as our story opens, what we understand from the background is this. Elizabeth, who is Mary's cousin most likely, 
I had become pregnant at an age uh, that most women would not become pregnant. She'd been pregnant about six months at this point. Uh, Her son is going to be named John. He's going to be the forerunner of Jesus. Revelation is Messiah. And Elizabeth has taken herself and sequestered away from the public when God calls to Mary through the angel Gabriel. The angel comes to a young woman, betrothed. Now, that's an interesting phrase. We don't betroth anymore. Uh, Daddies in that day would pick out their daughter's husbands. Doesn't that just sound great? My daughters are here today, and I'm sure they would say, no, thank you. We'll pick our own. But in that day, they would do it because it was advantageous to the family to put together good combinations of different businesses and different industries and different farming equipment and those kind of things and and livestock. And and it would be done very early in their lives, usually in preteen days. So Mary probably had been betrothed to Joseph at this point for a number of years. She would have known, this is my husband. And you're going, but they weren't really actually married. Well, legally they were. The only way out of that marriage was for a divorce to happen, as you see in Joseph's side of the story. So here they are. They've been betrothed to one another. They're together in this process. They're walking through it. And so it's less than a modern marriage. There's no physical relationship between them. Parents, adults, we understand what that means. But it was more than just an engagement. But into this moment, the angel comes to Mary with a word and says, and I kind of chuckle because sometimes the scriptures almost seem to like, oh, yeah, greetings, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. And I think to myself, I know my response to that wouldn't have been much different than Mary's. You think, wow, how often does this happen in life? An angel shows up. But I want you to understand, Mary was a God-fearing person. She was committed to the teachings of the Torah, the Old Testament. She saw herself as part of the chosen people of God. But also she was in no way sinless, though some would try to teach you that today in the world that she was sinless and that didn't mean she was pure and holy. No, she was just like you and me. She struggled with issues. But her existence, my friends, there was one thing missing that everyone needs, God's forgiveness. She needed what we need. And we find an angel sending, uh, God sending an angel to greet her and then he's going to reveal a task to her. But notice the direction. Mary didn't go to God and say, hey, God, what you got for me? Did you see how it was? God sent to her and said, I've got you. I need you. I want you to be a part of this plan. So God called to Mary. Now, what was Mary's response? Look at verse 29. And, and again, sometimes I chuckle because I, I read these passages and I think, surely the reaction would have been stronger than this. But here it is. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Uh, you think? Can you imagine an angel appearing to you and beginning to speak to you and talking to you and you would go, hey, how's it going? I think I'd have been greatly troubled and probably some more. And But she also tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Imagine with me, you are Mary living in this small Jewish community in the highlands above the Jezreel Valley, kind of the breadbasket of Israel. Your family's committed to the ways of God. Your, way, your family is committed to the ways of the Torah, the Old Testament. Your life is planned for you. Your family has arranged a marriage for you. Your husband's name is going to be Joseph. You've been betrothed. And the day's coming when your marriage is going to be completed with a celebration not unlike Jesus celebrated at Cana where he turned water into wine. 
and you would become his wife in practice in addition to being his wife in name. And together, you would build a family. As we talked about in our Sunday school class this morning, you would also have arguments, and you would have to wash dishes, and you'd have to clean house. They live life, listen, just like us. They face the same issues that we did. But this angel has shown up with a strange greeting. Essentially, this greeting means this. You have been endowed with grace. In other words, God himself has sovereignly chosen you to be a part of his work. Wow. Some might say, well, why did God choose Mary? Why did he he choose Martha? Why didn't he choose Sarah? Why didn't he choose somebody else? Ultimately, we don't get the answer to that question. Did you know that? God chooses. That's part of his sovereignty. Instead, what we're left with is to walk through the shoes of Mary as she encounters the angel Gabriel who brought God's call for her life. As I've already said, I'm amused at the understatement. She was greatly troubled. Yeah, she was greatly troubled. Yeah, you think so? Whenever an angel of the Lord shows up in life, it it creates a stir in life. Things are going to change. Things are going to be different. Mary was no different in that situation. God was working and bringing about a decision that had to be made by Mary. She's confounded. She doesn't understand what's going on. I've got to tell you, she didn't understand the ramifications of what the angel said. She didn't understand the outcome of what was going to happen. She didn't get it all, but she did know this. God had sent an angel, and she's confounded. And then God communicated his direction. Look at verses 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now I want you to notice, he has given her about five things that are about to happen when she agrees to be be a part of God's plan. First, he, he, he says, hold up, don't be afraid. There's no reason to be fearful. I'm certain she was fearful. I mean, how often does an angel show up in your life and start talking to you? This this was, though, not the first time she had encountered God. How do I know that? Because she was a God-fearing woman. She was a woman who went to the temple with her family from time to time. She would go with her family to the synagogue. She would hear the Bible stories. They would worship as a family in the local synagogue, in the place where they could be in the presence of God together. But she is apparently the first time she's been invited to participate in God's plan by an angel. And fear is a natural reaction. Second, he tells her she will conceive a son um, and his name will be Jesus. Now, we we sometimes think that the ancients didn't understand how things worked. And and, and the kids are down in the fellowship hall today, so we can be a little more open here. But I want you to understand, they got it. They knew what had to happen to produce a child. They were not ignorant of the physical relationship between a man and a woman that was necessary in their minds and in our minds as well to create a child. But here she is thinking to herself, hmm, I'm a virgin. I've not done anything that could do that. But the angel tells her she would not only conceive, she would conceive a boy, and that boy's name would be Jesus. Talk about specificity, specifics for the details here. God is laying it out. Third, this son would be born to the most, would be great, and the son of the most high. 
teenage girl. You hanging in there with me? Wow. The Greek word that's used here is the word uh, mega. Um, we think of a mega store, a mega problem. We think of what? An overwhelmingly abundant, mighty, even surprising situation. That's what she's getting here. He would not be a son, but he'd be the son of the Most High, the Son of God. And his work would be beyond what normal humans would do. Fourth, this son would reign over the house of Jacob. What? Reign over the house of Jacob? He holds the the throne of King David. Now, you're going, but this girl's from Nazareth. But remember, if you go to the next chapter, they had to go where for their census? They had to go back to the city of David, Bethlehem. This was their lineage, and he would be part of that. He would be born, and he would hold a preeminence in the heavens. The promise has always been God would bring bring his blessing through his people. And then fifth, this kingdom will never end. Wow. This isn't a temporary kingdom. It's not a transitory kingdom. It's this. Once the kingdom is established, it will exist until the end of time and even into eternity. You ever had a dream that was that big? A vision that was that big? God's at work here. And God has communicated to her through the angel Gabriel, this is what's going on. And then notice Mary's response in verse 34. She was confused. Anybody surprised? I would have been surprised, wouldn't you? I'd have been confused, wouldn't you? What in the world is God doing? And Mary said to the angel, now notice what she drills in on and focuses in on. Of all those things, she focuses on one of them. Did you notice that? And it was the one that was most present in her mind, the one that didn't really make any sense, although the others were probably not real clear. This one really didn't make sense. She goes, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Literally, the translation should be, I have never been with a man. How can this be since I have not been with a man? This grand revelation is made to Mary. She is faced with a moment. She's faced with a decision. Would she believe the words of the angel? Would she grasp the implications as best she can of what he said? Interestingly, Mary focuses on one aspect. And remember, people of the ancient world understood the mechanics of reproduction. They knew what had to happen. So Mary was not ignorant in that area, but she's thinking to herself, I haven't, how can there be? How can I be? How can you do what you say is going to happen if I don't do anything that results in a child? Boy, you're talking about an honest question, isn't it? From her perspective, children are made one way. And the angel has said, we're going to do something different. She goes, I'm confused. I'm doubting. I'm questioning. I need help here. Angel, fill in the blanks, please. And then the angel answers. Look at verse 35. He confirmed his power. Here's he says, is what's going to happen. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be, called, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is barren for, with, for nothing will be impossible with God. We get the answers that Mary needs. I'm not sure it was all the answers she wanted though. Did you catch the vagueness in there? How's she going to become pregnant? 
Yeah. What does that mean? Theologians have debated that phrase for centuries with no conclusion, by the way. So we could debate it this morning and we'd still have no conclusion. And we will be left with a step of faith because at the end of the day, all we know for certain is this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. What does that mean? What does the power of the Most High overshadowing her mean? I don't know if we have to know. What he's telling us is this, is God is going to do what God is going to do by his own plan. And the beautiful reality is this, she will become pregnant. She will bear a son. He would be called holy. And his life would be destined for something greater than she could even begin to imagine. You know, God works however he wants to work. God works in ways we can't sometimes understand. God's bigger than we are. He would do what he's going to do. And he's going to invite people, listen, like you and me, to become part of his grand design for the world. He's already included Elizabeth with a child when she was old who would be the forerunner of Jesus. Because what is happening here is not impossible because God's in charge. He would work according to his power. And then we come to what I believe is the most beautiful response we can have when God steps into our lives and says, I've got this for you. She was compliant. Most of us have to rearrange the letters and have the word complaint. We like to complain instead. We go, God, why this? Why here? Why now? Why this? Why God? Why? I don't want to do God, can you wait till I'm older? Can you wait till I have a little more experience? Can you wait till we're finally married so nobody will think weird of me or less of me because of what's going about to happen? God, can you do? Most of us want to what? Complain. Mary instead says, I will be compliant. Look at the scripture. And Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let me tell you what, when we get to the place we can pray that as a prayer to God, when he leads us, we've arrived in a place that we need to be. And we say, God, whatever you want. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. But I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. So God's plan is revealed. His direction is made sure. Mary now has a decision to make. What's her decision going to be? We've already looked at it. Her decision is what? God, whatever you want to do. God, wherever you want to take me. God, whatever it means to my reputation. God, whatever it means to my situation in life. Whatever it means to my physical condition. Whatever you want to do, God. Do it. She was confounded, confused. She's facing a decision. See, I really believe Mary could have said, God, I don't want to be a part of your plan. I believe she had that freedom. It's entirely possible within the realm of human freedom that she could have heard the angel then rejected the plan. That's part of the concept of free will. But gratefully, Mary heard the call to reject fear, the promise she would conceive a son, the son would be great, he would reign over the house of Jacob, his kingdom would never end, resulting in her making a step of faith in life, and her response is amazing. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according 
to your word. We don't have a memory verse this week and next. How about that be it? And we commit those words to memory and they become an attitude of our hearts toward God that says, God, wherever you want, wherever you want me, wherever that takes me, whenever it is, whatever it is, let's go. Her step of faith, not even fully understanding the details, is amazing. Now what do we do with this? Three quick thoughts. We're probably going to finish early today. No crying, no wailing. It'll be okay. Number one, God still invites people. I want you to hear this. Some of us spend our entire Christian life, our entire Christian experience, and we go, well, I don't know what God has for me. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know where I need to go. I don't know what I need to be when I grow up. God is still in the business of inviting people like you and me into his service. When you stop to consider the ways that God works in this world, you know what the most prolific way he works in the world? is through people like you and me. You go, but I've messed up. I've done this. I've done that. God could surely not ever forgive this. Yes, he can and will. He invites us graciously to become part of his kingdom plan. He invites us with our, with our failures, with our faults, with our flaws, and with our messes and says, this is where I want you to be. Some of you say, well, how do I know? If you listen, God will show you. If you listen, you'll hear God speaking. And often it'll come through the strangest ways. It'll come from a friend or your family or, a, or someone at church or a scripture verse you've been reading, God will show something to you that says, here's what I need you to try. And you go, but I don't think I can do it. I got to tell you, there's times it's really better when you can't and then God can. And he can lead you through it. I think Jesus calls us to serve each other. And the motivation is love. This is what John 15, 12 says. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. How far are you willing to go to be a servant of God? How far are you willing to serve? Think back to the last time you sensed the presence of the Lord. How did you sense that? Was it through music? Often it is. Was it through a time of prayer? Often it is. Was it just through a time of being out in nature and having a conversation with God, an ongoing conversation as we talked about earlier this fall? Or was it some ecstatic supernatural event? Most likely it's God spoke to you through somebody else, through his word, through prayer. God still chooses and invites us. Second, I want you to notice this. God can handle any question you got. Anyone. You go, I don't know if God, you really? You don't think God can handle your questions? You think your questions are bigger than God? Come on. Y'all with me? God can handle anything. Anything. There's no area out of bounds. There's no question too big. There's no question too small. God answers every question in his time. And he certainly wants to hear from us when we have them. In fact, James, Jesus' half-brother, said this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask the neighbor. Let him ask social media. Is that what he says? He says, let him ask 
God who's stingy and will not give you an answer. He says, no, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask how? In faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. We've got to be people, my friends, who somehow release the faith that God has given us in salvation and says, God, I want to come to you. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't know why this is going on. I don't know why I'm dealing with the situation. I don't know why my loved one died. I don't know why I'm dealing with cancer. I don't know why there's so much pain in my life. I don't know why economics are crazy right now. And I don't have a clue what the supply chain issue is. But God, you do. You do. And you can give me answers. And you can reveal yourself to me. And you can guide me through whatever waves come my way. And even when the question doesn't have an answer yet, we know that God has a path through it. So God still invites, still calls. God can handle your questions. But ultimately, he calls us to what? Walk by faith. Isn't that life? I mean, think about it for a minute. You got up this morning. I did get up this morning, right? You got up this morning, right? You got yourself presentable, made yourself look pretty. Guys, look handsome. You got in your car, your truck, I don't know, whatever got you here. And you got out and you went and you said, you're walking by faith. Did you know that? You're not promised the end of the day. None of us are. You're not promised to get lunch today. You're walking by faith. All of us are walking by faith in some respect. What he's calling, I think, us to is this, to go forward and know that God is going to lead us step by step by step in faith, to trust God when we don't even know what the next step is. Yeah. What's going to happen with Omicron? I don't know. What's going to happen with Theta? What? I haven't heard about Theta yet. It hasn't been made up yet, but it will be. Don't worry. It's coming, Okay. They'll probably have another wave after this wave, and we'll have another wave after that wave, because that's the, the nature of illnesses and, and sicknesses, guys. It's just part of it. We just have to learn to live with it as best we can and do the smartest things we can and get through it. But we have to trust God when we can't see the next step, right? Otherwise, we find a cave somewhere and hide the rest of our days. Mary did it. You think a 13-year-old, 14-year-old girl can do it? Think you could? You really, a, a teenage girl can do something you can't do? Yeah, they can run faster than me. They can probably jump faster than me. They, can, they probably can do calculus better than I could too. But anyway, here's the reality. If she can do it, you can do it. Paul reminded the church at Corinth, so we are always of good courage. We are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. So how do we walk? By faith, not by sight. Ultimately, the experience of knowing God comes down to this. You've got to release the faith that he gives you and put it into practice. You say, well, I want to have more faith. You know how you get more faith? You release the faith you have and take the first step. And then he gives you more faith. 
Sometimes he says, well, I need the whole bucket filled before I can do anything. I don't think God works that way. I think he says, take the first step. I remember being a high school junior, senior, between my junior and senior year, I was at a camp in Oklahoma. And I sensed that God was speaking to me about vocational ministry. If I'd have known now what I, if I'd have known then what I know now, I would have said, God, no way. I was clueless. I was a teenage boy. Y'all with me? But I sensed that God had something for me. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know where it would take me. I didn't know what the direction would be. I didn't know when it would happen. But you know what? I took the first step in faith and said, okay, God, I'm yours. What do you want to do? And step by step by step. And he ended up bringing me to a place called New Boston. God's got a sense of humor, guys. Because I had spent a couple of years, once a month or so, traveling through this area as a teenage young adult calling on furniture stores. And he says, I'm going to bring you back to this area. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but my dad put me up in this part of the country for a reason. He says, Patrick, if you can deal with the people in Northeast Texas, you can deal with anybody. I thought he was kidding. We're a different breed up here, aren't we? Amen. But we walk by faith. We walk by faith. So here's the question. Have you taken the first step of faith? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you come to the place where you said, Jesus, I need you more than I need life itself. I want to follow you. If you haven't, that's the first step to take. For many of us, that step's behind us, but some of us have stepped into the quicksand of life and we won't go to the next step because we're not sure God can take us to the next step. But let me tell you what, if he brought you from that step to now, he can take you to the next one. Some of us need to take the next step, whatever that is. And it's a step we take day by day by day in faith. The invitation is going to be for you to respond in a moment if you need to. I'll be here. I'd love to pray with you. The altar will be available if you need to come and pray. Maybe you just need to pray where you're at while the rest of us sing. But let's have a word of prayer. We'll begin. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the blessings you give us. We ask your hand to be upon us as we respond, not to a preacher, but to you. Because somehow, God, you use people to communicate your truth. Help us to look past the people and see the messages from you. And Lord, if it's from you, it's good. And if it's from you and it's good, then we need to respond to it one way or the other. You give us free will. God, help us to be like Mary. Be it unto me according to your word.